And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shaco Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Hope you guys are doing well. This will be a solo podcast, kind of. Not really, though. I did a live room on the Athletic app which you can access if you go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk. You can get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. You can join these live rooms, ask questions. So this is a little taste of that. We've done this before in the past. Haven't done one in a little while, but I thought it might be fun to do one today. So hope you guys are doing great. And here is the live room. Thanks so much for joining today. I am first going to let Barrett L. on stage to ask a question. Maybe not. Let's go to Chad S. Chad, what is your question? Andrew, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, Chad, how's it going? Oh, it's going well, man. How about yourself? I cannot complain. <laughs> uh, my question is, um, you know, given the fact that we're highly competitive in virtually every game uh, that we play, whether they be good teams or bad, do you see us doing kind of a hard transition? Granted, this is, you know, forecasting what Presti will do, which is, you know, hard to do, if not impossible. But do you see us, you know, transitioning hard into a tank mode, you know, past the all-star break and everything? Or do you see it kind of playing out um, more organically to where, you know, just kind of let the chips fall where they may? Um, you know, I, I can... I personally think that, you know, I'm I'm with you. We need to get as high in the draft, draft as possible just to, you know, uh, load the table even more. But um, given how Shea and everyone is playing so well, I can see the argument for it to be, you know, just letting the chips fall in May. Yeah, I would guess that it, at least for – a good portion of the second half of the season, they're going to kind of let the chips fall. And then I would guess once we hit into March, beginning of April, if, if they're not playing competitive games, it's, they may table some guys, you know, I think that that's probably where we're going to be, you know, right now the thunder sit at six in the reverse standings, which is not, it's, it's a fine place to be when you have teams right. like Orlando, San Antonio, Houston, Charlotte, Detroit ahead of you. I think it's going to be tough to catch any of those teams. You know, they're two and a half games back of Orlando. You know, this upcoming game with Orlando is kind of important if you're into the reverse standing. Um, mm-hmm. But I would guess that, yeah, if Shea's healthy, they're not going to sit him. You know, they want him to make the all-star team. They want him to have a chance to make all-NBA. You know, he'll at least get consideration for that if he keeps playing like this. And I don't think that they want to uh, stunt that. But again, I mean, we can just kind of read the tea leaves from what Presty said when talking about games of consequence. If you're 15 and 21, you know, they play the Celtics tomorrow night. The Celtics are really good. Second night of a back to back, they fly to Orlando. I know Orlando will be a little short handed, but still, that's a tough uh, little trip there. Um, you know, they could find themselves in a pretty tough spot. So 
Um, I think they can get there without really having to pull a ton of levers, especially now that you've got Poku hurt and Jeremiah is still going to be out for a little while. Uh, the Jay Will experience has been rough, to say the least. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that, you know, I think it's going to happen more naturally, which I think is probably something that's more welcome to, to fans than the alternative. So um, good news is for the Magic game, uh, supposedly, I think Jonathan Isaac and Jalen Suggs are quote unquote full go for in practice today. So hopefully that. I saw up. that. I would be shocked to see Jonathan Isaac playing basketball again. I would love to see it, but uh, it feels it feels strange to even say his name. Yeah, when talking about basketball. Two years. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I would love I'd love to see Isaac play. I think he's a really good player. Um, well, thanks, Chad. Appreciate you, man. Hey, Barrett, you're still on the line. Thanks for hanging out. With me. <laughs> I know the mic wasn't working literally when you asked me the question. I refreshed and <laughs> you moved on. I was like, no. <laughs> We're good now. We're good now. Um, all right. So mine's kind of a a two parter situation. Um, obviously, the the awkward Bay's elephant in the room is still looming. And sure. um, <laughs> one, I know one part of my question is. What do you uh, what do you foresee us getting? What would you like to get? I personally would like to just get only draft compensation. I'm not sure I want another player back unless it's a contract we can absorb and that will expire at the end of the season. Because if it is another role player that we're trying to put into the core going forward, that would be uh, awkward for uh, you know trying to have enough room on the roster going forward. Because kind of like last year, like there's not a lot of people that I want, I want to leave. And so basically um, if you had to get rid of anybody going forward in order to get another player, or just even if we don't, what, what would you like the roster to look like going into next season? Yeah, it's yeah. a good question. I think, I don't think Baisley will be on the roster. So that'll be one. And that could just be the space that you need to bring somebody else in. I think if they brought somebody else in via trade with Baisley, I would expect it to be like a either a really small contract that you feel like you could waive or maybe an expiring or some kind of non-guarantee there. I don't think that they're looking for players and you know especially at that level that are kind of these lower level players just cuz their their roster's kind of full of guys right now that they seem to have interest in and want to develop. Um so I would guess that the the changes could be as little as either trading Baisley or not re-signing him this summer, leaving that open roster spot and signing their first round pick this year. And like that could be as small as it goes. Now they have to figure out like, do they want to keep Isaiah Joe? Do they like their two way guys? What are they, you know, Lindy has the rest of this season um, signed to a deal, they got to figure out what they want to do with him, with Eugene. You know, those are like way fringe of the roster. Um, yeah. But do they want to continue to bring back Isaiah Joe? I think is a is a question. Uh, yeah. But you look at everybody else. They like Trey. They like Aaron Wiggins. They, you know, Jay Will has not played well, but they really liked him in the draft, and so I don't think they're going to eject him. So I really just, I mean, I, I think they're a pretty interesting spot where they kind of like most of the guys they've got. Maybe exactly. except, except for Darius. And so I think Darius will, they'll figure out a way to get him out of town and then they'll sign their first round pick. So I, that's kind of the way that I see it. What do you think about Moose? I, I think that they like having him on the roster. I think they like having him around the young guys. He's a good influence. Moose loves OKC. He has, he's got a girlfriend here. He loves his life here. Yeah. And so they're, there's a chance they move on from him. You know, they don't necessarily owe it to him. And I think that, you know, Kenrich is probably more of the the guy for them as far as the, the guy to, to go into the next era and, like, play real minutes. But having a floor spacing big has been extremely helpful. You know, he's second and plus minus on the team this season. Yeah. You know, according to cleaning the glass, he's a plus 17. So next season – I mean, it wouldn't be crazy to think that they'd be more competitive next season. And if, if Mike ends up being your backup center, that's not the worst place to be, you know, or if he's even your third center. 
you know, just a guy that's going to come off the bench and just bomb threes when you need him to, just to give your guys off the bench a little space. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of like him, you know, he can still play. So I, I, I think that they'll hang on to him too. So that's kind of my thought process on it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. We're going to go to John G here. Andrew, can you hear me? Got you, John. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So my question for you is when the season's all said and done, um, what is the player or I guess – you know, team change that you're going to be most excited about outside of Jay's evolution into superstardom. So -hmm. whether that be like Josh Giddy's continued improvement or, you know, the team really demonstrating defensive competence again, or something of that nature that you're just going to feel really psyched and jazzed about for, you know, next season and the long-term future. Yeah, I, I think you, you hit on it. It's, it's Josh and the way that he's played really the last maybe 15, 16 games. He's just played really good basketball and is fitting in as more of a connecting piece, more than like a primary ball handler, which I think going into this season, that was kind of a question of what he can be. And in, in year two, he's made some pretty big strides, uh, not only as a shooter, which has been well documented. You know, he's shooting 32% from three, which is it's below average. Like it's not great. It's not some great number, but it's a respectable number. You know, last season he's 26% from three. And just like, that's just not okay. And then even from the field, 41% last year, 46% this year. And he's improved. He's seven percent, almost seven percentage points better from the free throw line as well. So just like across the board, the shooting is better. The rebounding is a tick better than it was last year too. And just the the shooting efficiency is just is a is a big deal. And seeing the way that he can contribute in the closing moments of a game with a rebound, um, with a defensive stop. I feel like his defense has gotten a lot better. He's still not a good defender but he gets his, is pretty physical. And so his development, I think, has gone a little bit under the radar, mostly because of Shea being ridiculous. And then I think, you know, the emergence of Jalen Williams, J-Dub, is like, oh, like he's the, this is our cool new wing. You know, it feels, his his game feels like you can project it a little bit better than Josh's. Josh is just such a strange player that it's hard to project it. Um, and you look at J-Dub playing, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see how he can be, uh, you know, a really good starter or an all-star level player. Like, you can see it pretty clearly. Like, he's just a good basketball player. But Josh is a little different. But I still think that Josh has been the second best player on the team. I think if he continues to develop, I think that that's a really, really big deal for the Thunder because you have Chet coming in. And if Giddy is like this high level connector that can drive to the basket, can hit an outside shot, I mean, that's a, that's a huge deal for this team. So, yeah, to me, it's it's what Josh can do moving forward. And he's still one of the younger guys on the team. I think people can give him a lot of uh, flack throughout the season just because the way he's played. But I think he's the third youngest guy on the team. I think the only guys that are younger than him um, is Usman Jang, obviously. And then I think Jay Will is younger than him too. But I think everybody else is older (laughs) than, than Josh. So, you know, there's still a long, long runway for Giddy moving forward. Uh, which is really exciting. So, um, but yeah, I think I think that one is is the one for me. Is just seeing Josh continue to develop and blossom. I think that that can help this team get better a lot faster. Hey, appreciate the thoughtful answer. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks. You too, John. Uh, okay, let's go to Raj P. Raj, 
you are on stage, can you hear me? Would love to hear what your question is. It feels like this stage is going quite slow. Let me try. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, good. Good. How are you? Um, I'm good. Yeah, I just had a general question on kind of like the Thunder's outlook. Um, I feel like when I watch the team on a night-to-night basis, one of the things I kind of notice is they just seem to really lack athleticism. Um, yeah. And I do know it's kind of like old Thunder, right? Like we drafted like we drafted like tons of athletic uh, guards and wings forever and just tried to develop them. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wondering like if you think uh, – I know we've been drafting like all these versatile guys as of late, but do you kind of think – do you kind of see that as a need – um and also like i don't know i guess with the way that the team is now like we have like mark who actually coaches hard um and you know if you don't play in the system he won't play you mm-hmm. uh we have like chip to help uh, you know develop shooters um and i feel like everyone else like could also help kind of assimilate like a like a super raw athlete or someone like that um into into our team you know obviously i like like jalen williams and uh, usman jang but like you just look at like Jalen Duran was right there too. Um, I feel like he could have been a monster on our team. So just kind of wondering how you think about that, and like you know if we target some athletes in this upcoming draft. It's a great question, and it is definitely something that the Thunder lack. I think uh, McKelly and I have been doing a show for the OKC Dream Team about uh, the draft, and we are covering trying to cover one player a week where we'll watch whoever they're playing that week. Um, you know, we've done Nick Smith and Brandon Miller and Cam Whitmore. Uh, we did Kaysen Wallace, Keontae George, Anthony Black. I think those are the guys that we've done so far. Oh, we did Scoot Henderson, too, because I got to see him play here in Oklahoma City. Um, so we've been covering that, and it's just been funny because we'll talk about guys like Cam Whitmore. Um, and it's like, oh, he'd easily be the most athletic guy on the team, <laughs> you know. And the bar is, like, really low. I think you're right that there's not a ton of crazy athletes. Uh, But I think the thing that the Thunder are doing that is kind of a way to make up for that is they have guys that have really good size for their position and really good length. So I think you look at Shea, uh, you look at Giddy from the guard position, you look at J-Dub with his length, thank God for long arms. You look at Chet who's not a crazy athlete either, but obviously he's got tremendous size and length. Uh, Jang, who's not, you brought him up, not a, not a tremendous athlete, like a good athlete, a good NBA athlete, but not jump out of the gym. Um, good length and size for his position as well. So I think that they're trying to make up for it there. I do think that the style of play will require decision-making. And so, you can have both. You can be a tremendous athlete and a good decision maker. That's like what Amon Thompson is, who's playing for the overtime elite, uh, six seven, jump out of the gym, insane, like top three percent athlete the minute he steps on the court in the NBA. I mean, he's ridiculous and a tremendous passer and a tremendous rebounder, decision maker, all that. He's great. I worry about the, the rebounding. But I think that he's somebody that is like, he's a Thunder guy for sure. Uh, Anthony Black as well. I think he kind of, he's kind of uh, Amon Thompson light, like not quite the athlete, not quite the passer that he is, but six, seven, pretty good athlete, uh, lacks shooting. You know, to me, the thing that Thunder need to address more than athleticism is shooting. Um, uh, that's, the thing that scares me the most when it comes to the next era of Thunder is that you're going to have all these great decision makers, but you need somebody to develop the outside shot uh, and be a consistent threat. And they're obviously they're trying. I mean, they've hired Chip England. You know, they've got, let's see, seven guys shooting over 36% from three this season. That's great. Mike, Kenrich, Wiggins, Poku, Jeremiah, Baisley, and Isaiah Joe. But, you know, I didn't mention Shea, who's at 35%, which is respectable. Uh, Giddy's at 32, Dort's at 32, J Dub's at 30, Trey Mann's at 29. Like those, are the names that I just net listed are the names that need to be up there, not Kenrich, Poku, JRE, Baisley. Like that's great that those guys are doing that. What will really matter is if 
Jalen Williams can hit a three or if Josh Giddy can hit a three or if Shea can hit a three. I mean, that's what will really matter. Uh, Usman Jang, if he develops, can he hit a three? That's what concerns me more. I think about the 2014 Spurs and like who was like the great athlete on the 2014 Spurs. You know, that was a ridiculous team full of decision makers. It was cool. I mean, Kawhi, right. Um, but like, they didn't have just like tons of athleticism. They were just like so much smarter and played just a brand of basketball where the ball moved up and down the court through passing and not necessarily through the manipulation from one guy. And, you know, the Thunder are going to be wonky like that if they become a really elite team in the next few years because they're going to do it with uh, intelligence and and not necessarily elite athleticism, which is different. You know, you look at that 2014 team, the guys who played the most for the Spurs, Tim Duncan, Marco Bellinelli, Tony Parker, Boris Diaw, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and a 36-year-old Ginobili, Patty Mills, Tiago Splitter. Those are the top nine. And Kawhi is about the only, like, elite athlete on there. But, like, even Kawhi, you wouldn't say, like, he just is, like, jumped out of the gym, just explosive. He's not really that either. Like, he's really quick, um, kind of like a really good East-West guy, just the way that he defends. Um, so I just... I think you can do it without having a crazy athlete. However, I, if they could draft Alvin Thompson, <laughs> I'd be all over that. If they can draft Scoot Henderson, like do it. Um, yeah, for sure. So I think there's ways to fill that slot. I think that it's, you're not incorrect. I think that they could use that. I think a guy like Giddy would love to play with somebody who could get up and down the court and go up for an alley-oop like that. Uh, I think that could be really helpful. Um, but yeah, no, it's a good observation and it could be something limiting to them. You know, I think about the the Grizzlies of that same era who like didn't have any crazy athletes and, you know, when the Thunder were healthy, they'd beat them in the playoffs every year because they just had better athletes and they had Kevin Durant, you know. Um, and so really at the end of the day, what will matter is if Shea continues his ascension to be an elite player. And then if somebody else, whether that's Chet or Giddy or J-Dub or Usman or whoever they draft in the 2023 draft, if, if they can become elite, then you're going to be okay. But it's all about these high-level players and how many you can get. And so they know they got one with Shea. They need to figure out if they've got another one in the next couple of years. So, but yeah, no, it's a good observation. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. I am sub to that OKC Dream Team, so I'll check out those episodes. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Rod. Appreciate it, man. Uh, all right. Next up, we've got Aaron at stage. Let's see if we can get Aaron up here. I feel like it's being a little bit slow today. Aaron, can you hear me? Uh, let me try it again. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it kicked me when you initially. <clears throat> um, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, so I was listening to you and McKelly talk about Anthony Black um, earlier on my drive, and then this started, so it kind of got my mind going. So the question I have for you is in the draft, say kind of worst case scenario, Thunder fall, you know, they win some games or, or just fall and they end up in that 10 to 12, 13 range. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really kind of no one there that they are just like in love with. Is there a world where they kind of punt on the 2023 draft, knowing they have 24 uh, coming up with the potential for a lot of draft picks that they can move up. Um, and so maybe even trade out of that spot, fall back, draft a guy that may take some development, like a Trayvon Brazil, you know, coming off of an ACL injury um, that they could just kind of punt on the 23 draft and focus on 24. I think that's totally possible. Yes, I do. Um, 
it depends on where they land. Like you said, if they're landing in like the 11, 12 spot, like they're going to have to really like some guys there um, in order to feel like they need to stay. You know, we haven't, the, you know, Sam is not afraid to do something wacky. You know, he's done some right. really wacky things in the past. They haven't necessarily always worked out when he does them. Um, but I could, I could definitely see it happening. I, I think there's some decent players back there. I don't, I haven't watched enough of Grady Dick to like have a feel for what he is uh, as a defender, but I would guess that a guy that's shooting as well as he is in, is in the place that he is in most like mock drafts is probably not the greatest defender. So um, <laughs> yeah. that, and the fact that he's white and just looks slow, um, you know, I think I get that, big, big Christian Braun vibes from him. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to. Be, I think he's a little better. He's got to be a better shooter than, than Christian was. But and Christian, that that would not be the greatest player for the Thunder. Um, yeah. But Anthony Black is very interesting. Like very, very, very interesting. Super duper young. He's got um, NBA height and length. Not necessarily. He's pretty skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, he just to me just screams thunder player with his ability to kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, The jumper is super scary. It's like, he's got to stop and think and load. And it's just not, it is not not an ideal shot, Um, but he kind of checks all the other boxes. And so I just wonder if he was on the board and they're back there at like 11 or 12. Oh, if he's there at eleven or twelve, I think they take him for sure. I kind of think so too. I was I was very interested in Brazil before he got injured. Yeah, because um, he kind of to piggyback on Raj, like he's a freak athlete, mm-hmm. but he's also pretty skilled. Like he can play, and I think he would kind of he might have even played himself into the top six i mean the way he was playing so i don't mean who knows but he was very intriguing um you know obviously then before the unfortunate acl injury yeah it's a big time bummer but this this draft is interesting there's there's a lot of really interesting players in it um and guys that i think would fit where the thunder are and that's and that's where i just kind of think that if the thunder have a chance to position themselves later in the season to kind of be in that like four five, six range rather than the eight, mm-hmm. nine, ten range. I think they would rather be four five, six. So, okay. So, so then the, kind of the inverse to that, is there a chance that they package their 24 picks and, and try to move up if they end up 10 or 11? I think you do. If you can get up to three, I think you absolutely do. If you can get up to three, I don't yeah. know if you do it. If you can't, if you, I wouldn't do it for the fourth or fifth pick in this draft. Um, I'm not the biggest Cam Whitmore guy. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's a a Thunder type of pick, even though, Mm -hmm. like, if you look at, if you just look at the kind, like the archetype of player that he is, where it's this big wing that can play the four, the three of the four, physical is all get out can finish at the rim, can theoretically shoot it from outside, runs like crazy. Like, yeah, all that sounds great. But then you kind of watch him play for a little little bit and like, oh, okay. Like he doesn't ever pass. <laughs> like he doesn't he just he, he's just a bucket getter. And so you know, he he's, he's plus Darius Baisley is what you're saying. Yeah, he's like Darius, he's like who Darius thinks he is, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I like I like Cam. I think he's gonna be so much fun in the league. I think that he's like if he ends up, in, like if he ended up with somebody like the the Hawks or something like that somehow, I think that that would be a great spot. Like he needs like a really good point guard to play with him. Um, but yeah, I I would, and then from there I would just kind of trust the the Thunder to draft whoever at right. like six or seven or whatever with Jairus Walker. Or if they think Keontae George has potential, you know, as a score, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's, it's going to be really interesting because if, if the Thunder can add a really good piece to this core, um, they're, they're close. 
<laughs> they'll be a lot cl- there'll be a lot closer than, than what people are ready for so yeah yeah awesome well thanks andrew appreciate it yeah thanks Aaron. appreciate it man uh let's see let's see let's see if we can get bryson up on stage a little bit smooth all right bryson you are on maybe bryson can you hear me you hear me now right Yes, got you. What's up, Bryce? Okay, so sorry, so sorry. How's it going, man? It's going great. How are hope you? you? A, hope you had a, oh, you know, I'm getting by, trying to make the new year a good one, I guess. Started off right, but uh, yeah, so I kind of had a question based off of kind of what y'all were just talking about. Um, I guess like a preference. Uh, what would your preference be in terms of, you know, kind of how the draft plays out? Let's say we land you know, somewhere between seven and nine or 10, you know, exactly where you don't want to be in the lottery. Um, mm-hmm. Would you would you prefer some sort of, um, I guess maybe a consolidation if you think, you know, maybe if they have an eye on a guy that they know they can get in the sweet spot or, you know, would you prefer to try and move up and use some of these, um, some of these lesser value kind of picks to, to try and get more options in this draft? Because that's kind of what I'd rather do. Take as mm-hmm. much of the, take as many pieces of the pie of the best pie that's coming in the next few years. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that they will definitely look at all their options. That's something that Sam is really good at. Right. Is, um, taking a look at all the options that he's got. He's going to make all the phone calls and. You know, I think, I think also, that sorry. I think they'd consider trading their own pick moving forward mm-hmm. more more than they have in the past. Um, oh, maybe totally. even starting in 25. I don't know that they would necessarily look to trade their own 24, just because there's there's still a chance the Thunder aren't great next year. Totally, um, you don't know how Chet's necessarily gonna gonna play with everybody, but yeah, um, you know, we don't know how he's gonna show up. But I was thinking, you know, even if you you could, I mean, Pressy, so you get like a seven or eight pick and he's like yeah i'd rather rather drop a little bit get the same guy i want you know i think he could flip maybe the seven or eight picks some garbage picks down the line and get some real other valuable assets you know for that so yeah i just didn't know what, what sure. maybe your preference would be my pre- my preference personally would be draft as high as you can if you can draft in the top five try to draft somebody in the top five because it just every year there's going to be difference makers in the top five. And so if the Thunder can position themselves here down the stretch to to draft in the top five, that's that's what I would want. Would you prefer to push chips in on a top five draft pick this year or hold out for a disgruntled superstar? I'd rather pick in the drafts. Agreed. Yeah. Because I just don't think you can control who that star is going to be. Totally. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a, too much of a gamble. I think at some point the Thunder will be able to use their chips to go get somebody, but you can't control who that's going to be, how that's going to happen. Do they fit your team? Do they have a two-year contract? Do they have a five-year contract? You know, you can't control any of that stuff. And so, you know, I I can't think of who would be up next as far as wanting out, but I, the contract situation has to be ideal and like the culture fit has to be ideal as well for you to bite on it. And so I don't, I just don't see the thunder really getting in on any of that. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I just figured that like, you know, I figured my preference would be, you know, push in what you think you need to, to get as many of the, you know, many of the prospects you think would fit with y'all in this draft while you've got, you know, the leverage and the talent there. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that they want to continue to build slowly and, you know, if you can maintain draft, control. Yeah. Maintain control draft as high as you can in this draft and just try to develop what you got. And I think sure, limit I, external I, factors. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if you were to trade a bunch of picks for a player and you have to trade other players, like you probably have to trade Giddy or somebody like that. Along the way, like we're you're not guaranteed. I mean, we saw it with Paul George; like he stayed two years. Like he then he wanted to be gone, you know. Totally. So you just can't. And he still, you can't he still had the talent around him at that time, you know. You can't even can't yeah. even count on the talent keeping people there. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, I re really appreciate you talking with me, man. I hope you have an amazing year and it started off great for you. Thanks, Bryce. Appreciate that, man. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com dunk. That's linkedin.com dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right on stage feel free i'll stay on for a few more minutes um travis c asks do you think that lindy could get some more time on the court soon i think the emergence of isaiah joe has complicated that for lindy because it's essentially like a token shooter so i'm not totally sure i think the thunder know what lindy is and i'm not sure that he's a high-level role player or a good enough role player um, to stick. So uh, I wish that he was. I really like Lindy. I think he would be a great fit culturally, too, moving forward. Um, but, yeah, I really like him. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Colin W. here on stage. Colin, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for posting this and, and taking a second to answer my question. I've been listening sure. to Doug for a real long time now. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, you guys are something special. Anyways, uh, my question is about the, the Western Conference rookies. What mm -hmm. do you think about uh, the chances for Jalen Williams to continue to collect um, Western Conference Rookie of the Month awards? Who's this competition? And what would you say to somebody who thinks that guy from uh, Houston deserves it over him? <laughs> uh, let me pull up the, the stats for the last couple weeks for the rookies real quick and see. Um, I do think Keegan Murray could be a guy that's competition. Mm -hmm. I do think the way that Jabari Smith has played will definitely be a level of competition as well. <laughs> Thanks for um, helping me remember his name. Yeah, 
No, it's it's all good. I thought you were actually making a joke about not wanting to say his name. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to sort through here for the rookie numbers. Uh, okay, so luckily for J Dub, uh, a lot of the good rookies are in the Eastern Conference, uh, so that really that benefited him the first time around. Mm-hmm. So really, like the three best rookies in scoring over the past. Let's do 15 games. Um, have been Paolo Bencaro, Ben Matherin, Jaden Ivey, and Jalen Williams. Hmm. Um, so he's going to have another chance to do it again. You look at Jabari. Jabari, over the last 15 games, he's 12 points, seven boards, and that's about it. Um, not averaging even one assist. And you look at J-Dub, he's 13 points, four boards, almost three assists, um, shooting 52% from the field. Jabari's 43% from the field. J-Dub over the last 15 games is 34% from three. Jabari's 32% from three. Not so hot. Uh, you look at Keegan Murray, he'd be maybe the actual competition because he's 45% from the field, 45% from three. You know, contributing to a winning team, but he's just 12 points, three boards. Uh, and that's about it. Like you look at like our guy, Jeremy Sohan, 11 points, six boards, shooting only 27% from three, 45% from the field. Uh, Walker Kessler, who plays just a smaller role for Utah, has been really good this year. I don't know that they consider him. Uh, then, then like we're down to like the Tari Eason's of the world who hmm. has had a, a nice season, but Eason has been so bad. I don't know that you could even consider him. So the answer to your question is like, absolutely. Yes. He's going to have a chance. I mean, he has probably been the fourth best rookie in this class so far this season. You could even argue the third best, you know, you could, I think you could easily say that he's been better than Jaden Ivey. Uh, has this season, even though Ivy's had more opportunities and like gets more shots and all of that. But like J-Dub's been way more efficient. I mean, he's 12%, almost 13 percentage points better over the past 15 games from the field, 40% to 50, almost 53% from the field. So, you know, there's an argument to be had that he's the third best rookie behind Paolo and Matherin. Coming coming out of preseason or, or summer league. After summer league, I don't know that I would have said that I think he could be the third best rookie. I think that that would have been kind of crazy hyperbole. But you start to talk to people that are around him and around the team, and you're like, oh, okay, like there's like some serious belief in this guy and what he can be and what he can do, and so. Yeah, I think he's going to have a really good shot to win Rookie of the Month again. I think that he uh, he's lucky that he doesn't play in the same conference as Paolo Bencaro, honestly, <laughs> and Ben Matherin. Both those guys have been so good. Paolo's numbers are just ridiculous. Over the last 15 games, 19 points, six boards, four assists, a steal, and half a block. Uh, the efficiency's not there, but he's a rookie taking a ton of shots for a, a losing team. Um, but yeah, man, no, it's a good question. I'm glad you brought that up because I had, I hadn't checked on like the overall rookie numbers. So it's a good call. I think, you know, Jabari had started to get it together and he just went cold again and shooting 32% from three for a guy that's supposed to be lights out. And some of that's not his fault. Like you watch Houston play. It is (laughs) so dysfunctional. I mean, it is really, really bad. They need a point guard so badly. I mean, you saw Eric Gordon and the way that he reacted the other <laughs> night saying that there's been no development. I mean, you just have to hear the team president or team owner and you hear your veteran saying that. Like, imagine, just sit back and imagine. Kenrich, it would be the same as, like, Kenrich Williams in the locker room being asked that and then saying there's no development. Like, what I, I would – it would be – I mean – the alarm bells would be ringing in OKC and people would be flipping out if that were to happen here. I feel like it would be a major story. Instead, people just kind of laugh it off with Eric Gordon. Um, but it's like it's a real problem that's happening in Houston 
that I think needs to be examined. And if you're a Thunder fan, knowing that the Thunder have their pick next year, uh, I think it's top four protected. One, you might be a little bit scared that it'll be in the top four again just because of the no development comment and the way they've played this year. You know, if they don't do anything in free agency, you know, you could see it easily being bottom four again. Uh, you know, they're, I think that they're probably the worst team in the league again this year, and they could easily be that again next year. But anyways, J-Dub has had a great season, and it's been quite impressive to see. So thanks, Colin. Appreciate it, man. For sure. Have a good one. Happy New Year. You too. Happy New Year. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's see, Bryson. Oh, we just have Bryson. See, let me get to somebody who hasn't even been on stage. What about Brighton S? This is my guy. All right, Brighton, can you hear me? Are you on stage yet? I feel like this is going extra slow today for some reason. Not sure why. Try again. Uh, maybe he's gone. Let's try Liam. Liam H. Let's see if we can get Liam up on stage. Liam, are you on stage? It does not appear that you are. Let's go back to Brighton again. I think Brighton's back. User has joined the stage. Has he really, though? Not seeing him here. Let's see. Brighton. No, it's not working. I don't know why the stage isn't working. I'll answer a couple more questions here from the chat. Mark H, do players improve more in-season or during the off-season? If it's the latter, is it possible that Chet's gap year will allow him more than if he had played this year? It's a very interesting question. Um, I think that it's he's going to get better. During the stretch. Oh, we've got Liam. Liam. Oh, we've got Liam. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. What's up? I can hear you. What's up? Hey, I am outside, so if there's too much background noise or anything, just please feel free to remove me. Okay, hit. Okay. So hit. ask so, a question and then question. hit me. Okay, got you. Um, so my question was, why do you think there's been such a change in the mentality of the fan base this year? Where last year it felt like everyone was kind of just along for the ride, like cool with the development, cool with any result of any game. And this year, um, after games, it feels like there's a lot more hostility and animosity after every match, or every game, sorry. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on why you think that is. Yeah, I I think that it comes with a degree of expectation from some fans. I don't think that's the whole fan base. I think that there's a sector of the fan base that feels that way. Um, but I think that you feel disappointed, certainly after a game like the Hornets game, where I think the Thunder are clearly further down the road than the Hornets are, and just a better team, better franchise, better roster, better coach, better everything. And then you lose that game, it feels like I think there can be some frustration there. Um, I think that any sort of feeling like that comes with expect. It's from the thought of expectation you know i think one of the reasons why the the westbrook paul george mellow team was so frustrating to watch was even though they've won like way more games than any of the teams i've watched the past few years is that there's just so much expectation behind what they could do and who they could be you know they, they go and they beat the warriors in oklahoma city like a drug and you start to just like fantasize about like what they could be and what they could do in the playoffs and then they just wet the bed night after night after night. And it's just like maddening to watch. Um, so I think some of that's there. I honestly haven't seen a ton of it. Maybe I'm just not paying as close attention to it as I should be. But I feel like a lot of people, lot of people are, are a little bit a little along bit for the ride, ride this, this year. year. Maybe, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I think the case that I'm thinking of specifically is like not the hatred, but the sort of um, I, was, I guess hostility is a good word towards giddy in particular mm. it feels like a lot of people are kind of trashing and not not so much the past month or so but before that there were a lot of calls talking about or uh not calls tweets talking about trading giddy um 
even so much to the extent that he liked that tweet on Twitter about seeing the fan base trashing him. Um, so I guess that's what I'm thinking of in particular, where last year it felt like anytime he did anything, he was like basketball Jesus to us. And this year we see people talking about trading him. Yeah, I, I hear you there. I did see that. I thought that was, it was jumping the gun, certainly. I think it it is not dissimilar from what I was just saying. I think that people had certain expectations of who he could be. And you hire Chip England, you bring in a shooting guru, you expect this guy to shoot better. Uh, that's just not the way that it works, though. It, it takes time. You know, he's still shooting below league average, you know, even from three over this past stretch. It's been He's been very good, but overall throughout the whole season, he's still shooting below league average from three. So he's got a ways to go. Um, but I just think that it's it's just from a, like uh, our culture just has this mentality of like you can have it and you can have it right now. You know, I mean, I can pop on my phone and pretty much order anything that I want and get it you know, within the next few days. And it's just like at my door. It's like, I, I want it and I want to have it as soon as I can, you know? And it's like, I want to have a, a great basketball player and I want to have him as soon as I can on my team playing great. And we see the huge leaps that Shea has made. And I think that Giddy is, the way that people thought about Giddy is almost a uh, a backlash the the giant leaps that Shea has made where it's like, well, look what he's done. Why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you a lot better? And it was a little wonky to start the year and it took some time to get going and it's starting to look really good. I feel like Giddy's actually been one of the better. I think he's easily been the second best player over the last like month or so on the team. And I think people just wanted that from the jump. So I think it just comes from a lack of patience, honestly. Um, if I were to to look at it, but uh, thank you so much for the question, Liam. I'm gonna go one more. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Have a good one. I'm gonna go one more. Brighton on stage. Let's try one more time, Brighton. Andrew, can you I hear got me? Got you. What's up, man? All right. How we doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Thank you. Uh, hey, I thought I'd give you a quick little uh story and then rope that into a question so uh yes. me and, and timmy we did chase christmas lights this year which was really cool cool experience yeah and uh yeah and so do what yeah keep going i want to hear that okay so um i'm sitting there putting a wire together in his driveway and i just hear behind me and shay's really deep voice hey man what's up and so i turn around and i'm like oh hey jay and uh as i turned around he's walking his Doberman on a mini four-wheeler, you know? And I'm just like, that's hilarious. And like, what a fun way to meet Shane. He was like, hey, how's it going, man? And, uh, so anyways, it just reminded me. I'm like, this guy is, what is he, 24? I mean, he's still just yeah. kind of a kid, you know? Like, he's my age. Like, if I had the money he had, I'd be walking my dog on my mini four-wheeler too, you know? Yep. Um, so anyways, my, my question is like, we see what he's doing right now. You know, he's averaging what 31 and six and six or something like that. And um, obviously the team around him, they might be guys of the future, but they're not, you know, kind of here now like he is. So he's only 24. He's still a young dude. He's not even, you know, he's three, four years away from his real prime. So if this is what he's doing now, what do you think Shay is going to be doing when he's, you know, 28, 29, 30 years old? Is it a similar stat line? Because guys progress with him doing even more is this guy a future mvp you know what do you think yeah it's a good question uh i think that you can start letting your mind run a little wild with him just with what he's been able to do so far this season when you think about the game winners uh you think about like the team mentality that he has you know there was a piece written in the new york times over the past few days about shea and the way that he prepares in the offseason and Essentially, he just uses his friends, you know, from when he was growing up to help him. And he had one of his buddies actually move here to Oklahoma City to be his day-to-day manager and all of that stuff. So he really just leans on his friends from childhood, which is not totally uncommon for NBA players. But it's still pretty cool to know that that's what Shea's doing. Um, And, But I think that he can 
I think he can totally be an MVP candidate. Um, and it depends on the success of the team and how good people, the, the guys around him are going to be like, how good is Chet home going to be? How good can J-Dub or Giddy or any of those guys be? I think they're going to have to help carry this team to a different level, but if they can get there, and be one of the best teams in the NBA. I don't see why he can't be kind of what James Harden was, um, but with more of a team mentality of a guy, more of a guy that can play off ball and succeed in a, in the system that Mark has. But yeah, I think he can absolutely be an MVP candidate in the next five years and be a guy that is, you know, if he can start winning playoff rounds in the next five years. Like, yeah, without a doubt. I think he's definitely going to be an all-NBA type of guy. Uh, It's pretty wild. You know, you don't – not many guys average 30, you know. And when they do on bad teams, it's usually because they're just chucking. And that's not what Shea is. Like like Bradley Beal did this a couple years ago where he's averaging 30 points, but he was kind of all alone on that Wizards team without much hope around him. And so – um. I think he's closer to like the trajectory that Devin Booker was on, but I don't know. I think Shea has a chance to be better than Booker, you know, just with the package that he has. And he, he really needs to start shooting threes. Like that's the thing that in the next couple of years, I'm, I'm waiting to see if he can get his three point uh, numbers up, just the attempts, like give me to five attempts, you know, give me to six attempts rather than just like the two or three that he's at this year. You know, a lot of nights he doesn't take any, but in this league, if you want to be successful as a guard, he's got to shoot more threes. And also, like, you just watch him the other night, even against Philly. Like, he is on the ground all the time. And so I worry a little bit about that. And so, like, let's get you shooting some more threes, some little bit easier possessions on your body. Uh, and I think that you can have, like, a very, very efficient, you know, 28 to 32 point score in the league and if you can do that on a winning team then you are an MVP candidate you are Jason Tatum you know he's got I had a scout tell me the other day that he's got like the same like mentality that that they that this particular scout saw in Jason Tatum and so yeah I think he's absolutely you can let your mind run a little wild with him which is pretty fun uh to have another one of those guys in Oklahoma City so uh thanks for the story Brighton and thanks for the question Absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. I like the uh, kind of more selfless James Harden idea. I think that would be just fantastic. So uh, there uh, you, you mentioned, you know, he has his friends and all that. His yeah, we, we met his friend, his manager and his girlfriend and all three of them. They're just some of the nicest people ever. So, you know, they fit into the kind of Oklahoma City mold pretty well. So appreciate you, Andrew. And uh, thanks for all you do, man. Thanks, Brighton. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, that's great insight. It's great to, to have people that have kind of been around Shay. Like, just kind of is a normal, nice dude. So, uh, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Brighton. Appreciate it, man. See ya. This live room, uh, if you want to do more of these, let me know on Twitter that you enjoyed this, and we'll uh, try to do a few more of these. This is going to take the place of the Monday pod today just because uh, McKelly was unable to join me. So appreciate all of you for joining me here on the Athletic Live Room. If you're listening on the podcast, in order to join the Live Room, you do not have to be a subscriber to the Athletic. However, in order to get on stage, you do have to be a subscriber to the Athletic. So if you want to ask a question, you can join uh, the Athletic for $1 a month for six months at theathletic.com slash down to dunk. Uh, pretty easy way to do that. You can also listen to this podcast completely ad-free on the app, uh, which is a great way to listen. And you can also comment on the specific episodes within the app too. So that's something else that you can't do uh, like on the Apple Podcast app or whatever Spotify or whatever podcast catcher you're using. So on The Athletic, you can comment specifically about um, the episode that you're listening to. So another cool feature. I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.